0: When I was 24, getting into real estate, I wrote out before I turned 30, I want to get a Lamborghini. I've never, there was no condos where I grew up. It was all small town. I want to live in a penthouse. Mm -hmm. I want to take my family on their dream vacation to Hawaii because my parents had their honeymoon there and haven't been back in, you know, 30 years. And, um, you know, all of these milestones, I wanted to make seven figures a year, have seven figures in investment, seven figures in savings. And three months before I turned 30, I achieved every single thing on that list that I wrote out when I had $1,500 in my bank account at 24.
1: Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. On today's episode, we sit down with one of the most humble, grounded, giving, loving, Best entrepreneurs that I've ever had the honor to know, not only is he a client, but he is a friend, he is a business partner, he is just somebody that I admire. And boy, oh boy, does he unpack the secrets to his success in today's episode. He talks about how your container dictates your future self. He talks about how he went from having $1,500 in the bank at 24 to seven figures a year in savings and investments three months before he turned 30. How the I Have No Money entrepreneurial crutch can force you to improve your skill set, the value that your word holds in keeping you in integrity with yourself and the world, and why being a perfectionist will make you go broke, plus so many more incredible life, business lessons, and tips to apply immediately into your business and life. And so, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show. I don't have the ability to hide my guest this time because he is sitting next to me, but I am honored to have the leader of the free world Wolf Pack sitting next to me right here. This absolute savage of a grounded, humble, connected, integrous, giving man that is just single-handedly revolutionizing what we know to be one of the most toxic industries in the world, which is the real estate market. And he's doing it with heart and care. And it feels like I should call you Midas because everything you touch seems to turn to gold or, for lack of better terms, purple in this world. So you have the purple touch. So that's what I'm going to name it. So today I'm joined by my incredible friend, business partner, client, somebody that we're going to spend a long time doing a lot of things together with, my dear friend, Mike Sherard. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you
0: so much. Super excited to be here and, and again. Uh, the last few days have just been life changing, so I'm excited to dive into it because uh, there's a lot to chat about.
1: There is, and you know what's you know what's so crazy about it is like uh, for context, everybody listening. Mike and I have been doing an intensive with me, him, and his beautiful Brazilian queen Noelia, who I'm looking at right now off camera. And uh, I've never actually like interviewed somebody or even talked to them like at the culmination of an intensive, and everyone's like, ah. Oh. You got to talk about it. I'm like, I always forget. And so this will <laughs> be like a first for me. Yeah. So I'm sure it's going to come up in conversation, but we'll let it get there for sure. And so um, for everybody listening, I, w- I want to set some context. I was I was given the incredible gift of meeting Mike recently. And, I, and I'd seen Mike's content because of a mutual friend of ours, but I really didn't know him as a man. I got to see him on the outside and uh, I loved what I saw on the outside. And then I was gifted some time with him in Santa Monica. We had some incredible conversations and I just was... Thoroughly impressed. Um, Because typically, in the world that I live in and coaching entrepreneurs and coming into businesses, it's all save me, save me, fix (laughs) me, fix me. And there's this like long laundry list of like failures or traumas or things. And you're like, no, I got that. I'm happy. I love it. I'm grounded. I'm good. And and you just embody all of this stuff. And uh, what I would love is to help everybody kind of understand like how you got to this place. And we'll explain what that place is. Once we get context here, but like what got you started, you know, down this entrepreneurial path? Did you always grow up like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and, you know, realtor's the thing? Or like how did that come to be for you? Yeah, definitely. Like for me, it, a lot of my love came
0: from, you know, uh, cars in the beginning. And, you know, growing up in a small town, my parents didn't have money, 12,000 people um i always knew that i wanted something more and i remember very vividly as a kid i was driving in my hometown with my dad uh and our 12 year old beat up accord and and i was i was in dupont registry magazine seeing like cars and lamborghinis and that's what got me into engineering but i was like dad one day i want to drive to work in one of these cars Mm -hmm. and he looked at me and and i have the most supportive parents but they were like you know Mike like nobody does that Mm -hmm. and that really resonated with me because I've always been the type of person where when somebody tells me something's not possible (laughs) I can't do something I'm like okay hold my beer basically hold my beer and uh but I I went through the uh the engineering route because my whole family is engineers and that's you know being into cars and watches I thought okay engineering mechanical engineering I love math I love design I love drawing uh, maybe I can help design these cars or that will be my proximity to these things I love in life, the mechanics of it. Um, and, you know, I, I did two degrees in three years, mechanical engineering, something called technology management, and entrepreneurship. And in my last year of university, uh, my roommate introduced me to very stereotypical rich dad poor dad mm-hmm. and after reading that book I started realizing like maybe the avenue my whole family's taken of climbing the corporate ladder for their whole lives I don't know if that's going to get me to where I want to be but I wasn't open or made aware of anything else and when that you know presented itself to me everything changed mm-hmm. and from there I started going down the rabbit hole of personal development Uh, But I was so I was, you know, months away from finishing my degree. So I wasn't just going to quit and give up on the two that I worked on. Uh, So I ended up getting into engineering, Mm. moved across the country from from uh, New Brunswick to to Calgary. And in my first year, again, like, you know, I've, you know, done pretty well and, and excelled at what I do because of my my drive. But After a year and a half, I was recognized as top uh, new employee sixty thousand at this Fortune five hundred oil and gas company, and they sat me down and and were so excited and gave me a five thousand dollars raise for my seventy thousand dollars bonus or like salary, and I went back to my car to drive home. In that moment, and I like looked around and I was like. There's nobody even the the CEO of this company that has the lifestyle that I really want and mm-hmm. want to give to my future family because everything I've ever worked towards is for that future family with the my, you know, future wife and and building a family and kids and, and that's always what I wanted. And when I looked around and seemed that my environment wasn't at the highest level, wasn't even where I want to get. I thought that, you know, for, for reference, I was maybe in the wrong container. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at that time I was buying my own house and very typical story of the industry, Mm -hmm. the agents didn't do a very good job. And my parents for context have sold a hundred percent of their houses without a realtor because I hate realtors. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always loved the idea of investing. And I looked at real estate, not necessarily as an avenue to become a realtor and do that for the next 40 years. Mm -hmm. I knew that in entrepreneurship, I wanted to learn marketing, branding, sales. Mm -hmm. And the quickest path to doing that was a real estate license, pay a few grand, get into the industry, start from nothing. I was 24, didn't know anybody, just moved there. So without having a foundation, it would give me the opportunity to build the skills. Mm -hmm. And that's where things started for me. Um, and, you know, just to kind of explain what happened after that, it was it was pretty cool because, again, being an introvert, being bullied in high school, you know, always being told that I was never going to do anything. I went out that first night and it was minus 10. It was snowing and it was after my engineering job in the dark. And I door knocked an entire street for three hours until I couldn't feel my hands or write down addresses anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got two listings at $700,000 each on my first night that I was licensed and for me being an introvert that was bullied going and talking to random people was like Mm -hmm. you know but I also knew that there's no turning back yeah so I kind of when I make a decision I burn the bridge I'm all in and no matter how much discomfort follows I'm, I will do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I think has carried me through to, you know, where we are today.
1: Yeah. And I have a, I have a question on that, but I'm going to save it for a minute because I want you to paint the picture now for kind of like, how many years ago was that?
0: Uh, that was very early 2017. So... I'll say five years. Five years. We'll call it
1: five years. Yeah. And now paint the picture for everybody, kind of the life that we're living now.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, fast forward five years from now, I've got a, a real estate organization of 1,450 people. Um, I've made everything on my vision board before 30, you know, come to life. And I think that's even a good conversation, um, of, you know, when I was 24, getting into real estate, I wrote out before I turned 30, I want to get a Lamborghini. I've never, there was no condos where I grew up. It was all small town. I want to live in a penthouse. Mm -hmm. I want to take my family on their dream vacation to Hawaii because my parents had their honeymoon there and haven't been back in, you know, 30 years. And um, you know all of these milestones. I wanted to make seven figures a year, have seven figures in investments, seven figures in savings, and three months before I turned thirty, I achieved every single thing on that list that I wrote out when I had fifteen hundred dollars in my bank account at twenty-four. Mm. Um, you know, and and it that's you know a beautiful place where you know for me seeing my family this year in Hawaii and the and all of the sacrifices I made. Many of which they didn't even understand mm-hmm. until the other side, very supportive. But now they saw mm-hmm. the fruits of the labor. So now we're in this beautiful position where I get, you know, to make friends with people like yourself and and people that are just all in this ecosystem, and uh, just beyond grateful and humbled to be here.
1: Bro, I feel like I'm the one who benefits by getting to be, <laughs> be your friend. I'm just this dude hiding in Montana with pink shoes. And by the way, my new pink Timberlands will be here in uh, about a week. So. We'll be rocking pink boots on the podcast, but the honor is all mine. Um, I think there's some very important undertones and undertoes to a lot of the stuff you said. And uh, I'm going to challenge one thing because I think it's really easy to deduct what you did to burning the bridges, but I think there's so much depth underneath it that that's just the easiest way to explain it. Mm -hmm. You didn't just burn the bridges. Before the bridges were burnt, you had clarity on what you wanted. You were crystal clear on your commitment to that clarity. You were unattached to the result. And so when you decided to make that decision, it wasn't that you burned the bridges and took a leap of faith. It's that foundationally what you needed, you were clear on, and then the only job was to execute against that. Yeah. Is that fair? 100%. 100% fair assessment. Yeah, because I think it's so powerful now, but I don't want to allow you to discredit yourself. and like, oh, it was just to burn the bridges. Because what I've experienced about you is that what you do is you allow yourself to get clarity and really you allow yourself to dream right? And and I think in entrepreneurship, and you probably see this a ton with your clients and your agents and things like that, is that they'll operate on this. I'm not allowed to dream, but I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm going to give all my energy and all my effort to this thing, but then it doesn't work and they end up feeling empty. Yeah, And you are very, very clear on the foresight of like allowing yourself to dream of like what it would look like. And And what it would feel like and what do i want it to be and not not that like that's what it has to look like it's that i have an idea Mm -hmm. of what direction i want to head in so i have something to measure myself against and then it allows you to advocate the daily reactions that happen right we talked a lot about delayed gratification the last couple of days yeah and would you say that like that was one of like the biggest reasons that you succeeded is because you had clarity on where you wanted to go. And you're like, "Yeah, I might make it in a month. I might make it in five months. I might make it in five years. But because I know this is where I want to go, mm-hmm. when those roadblocks and those setbacks come up, you realign yourself to the clarity of that vision. And you're like, what can I do today? help get that is that fair it's a hundred percent and
0: and for me like i'm a huge advocate of manifestation and you know for me back in 2017 when i you know had to sell the winter tires on my bmw to that was leased to pay for the rent that month um that year if you go back on my instagrams i haven't deleted anything like i i have posts of me posting a picture of a purple lamborghini saying one day i'm gonna get this and it was the background on my phone and the next year i said one day I'm going to get this. And this is the next vehicle and and things like that. And I've done that with all aspects of my life. And to me, similar to what we've talked about is I was completely, even though I wrote out a five-year goal, I was completely emotionally unattached to the timeline of when I would hit these things. And one of the, the questions that I get asked sometimes, and I think, you know, you would just know this from being in the space is like, are you ever surprised that you're here? And, you know, this is not an, an ego driven answer. It's just the truth, which is no. Mm-hmm. Like, I always knew, like, when, not sure, but I always knew that I, like, again, had this unwavering drive where I was willing to do whatever it took to get there for, again, looking at those motivators of a future family. I had the incredibly supportive family, but, you know, we, weren't able to travel we didn't have the luxuries we didn't have the ability to have freedom time wise um and i knew that i was willing to do whatever it takes to get on the other side of that Mm -hmm. to then go treat the people that helped me get there so for me yeah it was that clarity and it, it was really cool because I I was having dreams of all of this stuff coming through, not in like third person, but first person. Like I remember the first drive we went on with the Lamborghini mm-hmm. is we went down this one certain street in Calgary. And I've had multiple dreams of me in real time driving that down that street. And I've done that with every aspect of life is that manifestation aspect. And I think it's really powerful of actually believing you're capable of it. But not beating yourself up if it doesn't happen within this condensed, unrealistic timeline that you see through social media, which is completely garbage um, and not reality. So I've tried to just detach myself from that, from what the expectations of the fake world is, and just realize that I'm on my own timeline. I'm a huge advocate similar to you that things will happen at the right time for the right reasons Mm -hmm. when it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's been... Kind of the life of the last couple of years
1: yeah i love it man and, and there was something you alluded to uh kind of really early on when you were when you were answering um you know what you're doing and how and you said this kind of quickly but i think it's a really really important point and and in knowing you now very personally and uh at a deep level and also being able to experience you on the outside um that a very early point you didn't allow yourself a lot of space to like ruminate or to overthink or to overanalyze And it sounds like at a very early stage, you understood that the more skills and the more experience that you had, the better off you would be in the future when you needed those. And so it sounds like even at that very early stage, you understood that you needed to invest in yourself. You needed Mm -hmm. to invest in your experiences and you needed to learn and try these skills, not try to plan the perfect launch, not try to make this thing that like works magically but you were like i'm gonna put the rubber to the road like i'm gonna put my shoes on and i'm gonna learn this i'm gonna learn sales by going door to door i'm gonna learn branding by talking to people and, and and auditing it i'm gonna learn marketing by putting things out into the world not trying to overproduce them or over perfect them or over edit them you're like no i want to get it into the world so that i can learn from that yeah, Is that it, a fair assessment? It, it, it was a huge aspect.
0: And I think, you know, a lot of people, especially in the entrepreneurial world, using having no money as like a crutch to why they're not where they want to be in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I loved it that I had no money because I was forced to go learn skill sets Me too. because – you know, you couldn't buy the courses, you couldn't pay somebody to do it, you had to become it. And now, you know, people like you and I have become, you know, in essence, like a weapon, because we know enough to be dangerous about a lot of things, we mm-hmm. might not be the master of everything. Mm-hmm. But at least we know enough to be dangerous and call things out and have a a, a very solid grasp of how to do things at a high level. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy the fact that I had to go down that avenue. And that, Even right now, like, you know, me and and Noelle were talking about this, where that's even what I'm considering this last three-day experience. A lot of people coming into this year, market crash or market shift or recession or whatever, I'm going to gear up to invest into crypto, into stocks, into real estate. My mentality is I know that if I invest into me, Mm -hmm. the return on that is so much greater than anything you could ever invest in. And I think a lot of people are looking for the short savings to invest into something. Whereas if you invest into yourself and develop these skill sets, those skill sets can't get taken away from you. Yep. Um, the market crashes, you can lose your portfolio. You can't lose the knowledge and your skill sets that you have. So I've been a huge advocate and very bullish on investing into myself. And I think that's what um, has been a huge contributor to the growth is that I've gotten to the point where... I can always bet on myself. And I've kind of told people this many times, I've always had this mentality when I got into business that I'm either at some point going to be worth a hundred million dollars or I'm going to be on the street. Like there's no in between. Yep. Um, And I've taken that approach and I think, you know, you and I have talked about this and I think it's an important concept is I've gotten very bullish on believing in myself because I always keep the promises to myself that I make. And by, and it doesn't even have to be that big. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, we Mm -hmm. talked about it. I'm going to start video on Monday. Like I'm recording Monday Mm -hmm. and all of these little wins get you to the point mentally where you understand, like if I take a bullish approach or a, a calculated risk on something that's a bit more aggressive than most people, I'm very cognizant of the fact that if that doesn't work out, I'll figure it out when it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people seem to stunt or slow their growth because they're saying I'm not going to start this until I've got the perfect plan. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know more than anybody that mm-hmm. nothing goes perfect. The only way you're going to figure out if it's even going to work is to put it out into the world yep. and and iterate and adjust and pivot over time to get there. And I think that agility has really helped kind of increase the growth.
1: Yeah, and I'd say, you know, for me looking at your business and what you've created from the outside in, I would probably pin it down to one of the core reasons of your success isn't because of how many realtors you got or how many houses you had in production or how many people are in your downline or how many people bought your course or how many people watch your YouTube videos. It's that from a very early on, you understood that the word that you kept with yourself and that integrity was everything that you had to weigh your value on. And when you said something, you did it. When you promised something, you delivered it. And it didn't matter how you felt. It didn't matter if it worked or not. You kept your word. And that word allowed you to stay consistent. And, and we've talked a lot about this as well. Is like, you know, I, I think a lot of people, like we actually, we had this conversation um, and we were kind of joking and jest. And it's like, I've never had the grand slam. And i'm like me neither like there's plenty of people out here like oh my first offer made millions of dollars or this one made here and yes i talk about like how my first product made uh you know a million dollars and i was like but i was also posting for free for two and a half years every single day before i ever made that offer and it was the consistency that allowed that to come to fruition now, the same thing with becoming a 22-week new york times bestseller it's like george what was your book marketing strategy i was like well the nine-month book marketing strategy built on the six years of consistency underneath it that allowed that to become effective. Yep. And I love that about you. I love that you focus on that so much. And I, th- I think it's a big, big part for everybody listening um, because w- we talk a lot about the undertow, the principles, that the things that allow us to have success. And and what you're alluding to is that when you bet on yourself, when you invest in yourself, and most importantly when you have an integrous relationship with yourself, you're developing a skill set or for lack of better terms, a toolbox where those tools never go away. They're just sitting at your feet in the bag waiting for you to grab them. And that can't be taken away from you. And when you focus on those things and you put them into practice, they make you dangerous because Mm -hmm. that's how you learn the field. I mean, you know, and and we can look at your YouTube videos and we can look at mine and we can look at the podcast. And like, if I go listen to episode one of this podcast, I am mortified. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but episode 370 wouldn't exist unless episode one started and we make adjustments as we go. And, and I got to give you credit for that because I, I watch you and I watch you operate. And I, and I think it's absolutely incredible because, you know, even on paper, if we were to look at, you know, how many YouTube subscribers you have or how many Facebook followers we have or how many Instagram followers we have, and then you tell somebody the revenue that we do, their brains can't calculate that because the world that we live in is all about those vanity metrics. and Like, oh, you need a million followers to make a million dollars and I was like uh you guys remember I made like 3 million dollars a year with no website no instagram and no social media but I think at the core of it it was because there was this essence of commitment mm-hmm. and it's like this is what I said I'm going to do and I'm going to do this and even if this isn't the best path for me it's important to see this through the finish line so I have a very accurate understanding of what I learned in this and what worked and what didn't work so the next time I make this decision I have so much more foresight into what can happen. And it now to people looks like everything we touch turns to gold. Mm-hmm. To like every time you do a video, it works. Every time you do an event, it sells out. God, you're so lucky. And I'm like, do you want me to open up the chronological <laughs> record of like the three almost bankruptcies, the losing $80,000 a month, the losing 700 grand in a month, the closing three business? I was like, yeah, I, do, I don't have the golden touch. I have a lifetime of experience mm-hmm. that helps inform my decisions. And and I just got to give you kudos for that because I absolutely love that.
0: Thank you. That That means the world to me. And I think, you know, similar to you, one of the things that I think has really helped is – Such a relatable journey, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, starting with the parents that don't have a lot of money, going to a typical corporate job and not liking it, starting a business with no experience where you didn't know anybody, hitting the singles and not having this overnight success, which doesn't exist, but that, that major win. And I think that's in these businesses that is all about relationships and connection people can feel like they know us on a deeper level quite quickly yep. because we've got such a relatable story that um, resonates with so many people, right? Mm-hmm. It's And I think having that as a foundation allows you to build off it and make those connections, which, yeah, if you know how to position it properly can be wildly profitable, but it starts with things that are completely irrelevant to actual income or making money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that leads me to a thought. I just, I just got my, my intuition got peaked with a thought and it connected in my brain. And I want to ask you about it because like, if I was to go on paper five years ago and say, all right, cool. You want to become an entrepreneur. You want to be driving a Lamborghini. You want a photo on your website in front of a purple Lamborghini holding a wolf. Right. And you're like, George, what's the fastest way for me to get here? My answer would not be go get your realtor license. So two things, I'm going to make a bold statement and I'm going to make an invitation. So bold statement, nobody has a marketing problem. Everybody has a relationship problem. Invitation that you come join me in Austin, Texas, March 9th through 11th for our Lighthouse Business Accelerator. Because where else are you going to learn how to build relationships with your team, with your customers, and with your peers that will get your clients more results? You will increase your revenue and increase your referral. Where else will you learn the best proven marketing strategies, tactics, and frameworks in a room full of people that are also addicted to playing rock, paper, scissors? But more on that later, and that's something you will not understand until you get to the event. I am not joking. It is going to be a party. We're going to be covering our proven and actionable strategies and tactics to grow your brand, your business, and followers without confusion and overwhelm, and the days of stressing about when the algorithm's going to change or is my content's going to perform or trying to craft the perfect email campaign so it goes unclicked and unopened or doing work that leaves you burned out and exhausted because it's not moving the needle. All of those days, they're gone. Because in Austin, Texas, we are going to unlock the full potential of your business with actionable marketing tactics. We're going to talk about proven strategies on what's working right now with targeted breakout sessions with seven and eight-figure entrepreneurs. We want to officially invite you to join the family because that's the vibe we've created with the Relationship Speed Algorithms movement. I'll be joined with some special guests, which will be announced soon. Maybe some of them, not all of them, because I have to keep my secrets And we don't choose our speakers based on virality or on stage experience. We choose to have real people with proven track records of success and innovation based upon their business. And here's my rule. Every speaker is a friend, somebody I know, somebody that I love that does business ethics and morals the right way and comes to the event committed to serve and support you. And that's their whole agenda. And we also have a brand new VIP day with me, my team, and even bonus speakers. So if you're ready to scale and learn frameworks that will work with any business, consider this your official invitation to the Lighthouse Business Accelerator. And just head on over to mindedgeorge.com so you can secure your seat in the Lighthouse Business Accelerator and maybe even win the... The world's most competitive rock, paper, scissors championship ever with some great prizes. But either way, we'll see you at the event. You want to be driving a Lamborghini. You want a photo on your website in front of a purple Lamborghini holding a wolf, right? And you're like, George, what's the fastest way for me to get here? My answer would not be go get your realtor license, right? In one of the most over-competitive, oversaturated, disconnected industries that are there, mm-hmm. But the reason that you won is because you looked at it from a place of what's missing, what can I gain, and how can I be different. And you went into this industry that, quite frankly, on paper, would seem to be not the place to go. It's like trying to get into like, you know, starting another Tony Robbins conference right now, right? Yeah. But you went in and you're like, I'm going to be different. This is how I'm going to be different. And I'm going to compete on depth and not width. And then fast forward five years later, multiple seven figures, eight figures, and here we are. And so when you went into it, like when you started, is it fair to say that because of your experiences and your parents always selling their homes, that that kind of gave you some insight of like how you wanted to do it differently? It definitely did. Um,
0: It was knowing that I wanted to do it differently, but also looking at the fact that like when I was studying to become a realtor, I think the huge pivotal moment for me was the fact that when I was working as an engineer, studying to become an agent, I was listening to other people's YouTube videos to learn because I was very cognizant of the fact that the traditional education system, whether it be college, university or whatever, is not that practical, it's very theoretical. So for me, one of the biggest driving forces was saying, you know, when I, I, I'm a huge advocate of consumer behavior and knowing that if I act in a certain way, Others likely will as well. Mm-hmm. Looking very unbiasedly at the the situation. So for me, when I got into real estate, I started realizing there is an avenue to take the traditional route of looking at where the gaps are and solving things and, and doing it that way, which many people do. I come in. I do more than every other agent. I love people so much. I go above and beyond. The first thing I actually decided to do, which was a huge game changer, is show it. Mm-hmm. Showing, not mm-hmm. just telling. Mm-hmm. and My thought process of somebody that had no money and no experience was, how can I show it? Well, how did I learn it? I looked at free videos. So I said, you know what? I'm a massive introvert. I'm wildly uncomfortable in front of the camera. But if this is how I learned and I'm going to go through this journey, number one, I want to document the journey so when that overnight success comes in (laughs) five, 10 years, there's no questioning it. And I think that was one of the most beautiful aspects of me actually getting that Lamborghini, where I see a lot of people and they'll get something that's nice, whatever that happens to be for them. And there's a lot of jealousy. There's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of um, just negativity around that because it seems materialistic. It seems like, oh, you just got this to show off, to stunt, whatever. But because people followed my journey that I documented, I was flooded with people that were just so overwhelmed with joy for me because I spoke it into the world before I could even afford an oil change on it. Yep. Um, so I think that was one of the big things is number one, actually showing what I did and putting it out into existence, knowing that, Hey, if I went through this journey, there's probably a lot of other people that would relate to me on that as well. And then the next thing, and you and I kind of dove into this is I tried it all in the beginning. And then I spoke it into the world and I got organic feedback from what did people like? Mm -hmm. So for me, one of the driving principles that I think has really helped is I never speak about anything. I haven't done myself at the highest level. So as a realtor (laughs) with no money, I door knocked, I cold called, I went to networking events. I hosted free networking events. I ran Facebook ads. I posted daily on Instagram. I put out YouTube videos. And since I did all that, I then decided to go to YouTube and say, if you're a new realtor and you want to know how to door knock, here's how I did it. Oh, I got all these leads from this Facebook ad. If you want to know how to do it, here's how I did it. And I put out a couple videos about everything. And then I got feedback and everybody was like, oh my God, back in 2017, I want to learn how to generate leads on Facebook. I want to learn how to attract clients and build my brand on Instagram. So I took that dialed back the door knocking and cold calling and networking events and said you want that great I'll give you more mm-hmm. and the more the more I wanted to give the more I had to learn so the more I implemented and tried and tested with my own money and iterated so that I could teach people at a greater depth and then people started saying do you have a program and it and that's where it all stemmed from is just Doing things myself, understanding that if I'm doing it in this wildly saturated industry, there's probably a whole heck of a lot of others that want to do it. Putting it out there and then getting honest, transparent feedback and giving them more based on passion, impact, and
1: wanting this message to get out there to more people. And I think importantly is everything that you shared was completely aligned Mm -hmm. and felt easy because you had been so transparent, so authentic, and so open from the get-go that you were able to take that feedback and not take it personally. Like, oh my God, I failed because this offer didn't work or nobody bought this video. You're like, oh, you gave me feedback. You want me to do it a little bit differently. Okay, I'll do it differently. And then you stuck to that commitment of like, okay, cool, I'll iterate this and I go. And the answer you just shared probably has 10 principal moments of teaching underneath it. And there's no way (laughs) we're going to unpack all of them (laughs) in this podcast. But, But something you said Really resonated with me, and this isn't something I teach. This isn't something that I recommend. But you and I are so alike. Is that you know when I became an entrepreneur, it was an accident, right? Like I was a marine for 13 years, and I started food blogging to heal my own bulimia, and then all of a sudden the marine corps is like we're done with you, and I'm like, well, all I have is a food blog. Okay, cool. But at the time I was poor, right? Like I was selling things, I was flipping stuff online, I was doing side work, and I didn't have the money to invest in courses. Like my education. Like I basically got a doctorate to become the world's best marketer from YouTube, Mm -hmm. right? Or books or things that I picked up, but I didn't even have time to read them because the more time I spent reading them, the less time I was actually building anything. And so it kind of forced me into this ecosystem of like, what's the one thing you need to learn today? And I would learn it. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go practice it a hundred times and a hundred times. And what I have found, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, a lot of people acknowledge me for how confident I am when I say things, when I'm like, Mike, this is going to crush your customer journey and this is boom. And I was reflecting on this a couple of weeks ago and I realized that I have this like unwavering confidence because I have tried and done so many things Mm -hmm. that it even changes the way I think about promoting or selling or going. And it's like people throw money at me. For no reason, but it's because I'm so bullish on my belief because I've had all this experience. Was that a similar thing for you? Huge thing. And, uh,
0: you know, I think it's there's there's a couple things to even unpack there where yeah. it's like, you know, I heard a quote, I forget who it by, but it, it really resonated with me where it said, what's the difference between a self-made millionaire or billionaire and somebody who is broke? And it's the level of how resourceful they were mm-hmm. because the key word being self made. If they were self made and started from nothing, the only difference between somebody that made it and somebody that didn't is how resourceful they were because they both started with nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I see as a huge flaw in a lot of entrepreneurship is I know this person who has the answer. I'm just going to go to them. Or I, I know that my coach or my mentor, could give me this, I'm just going to ask them. And I think, developing this habitual approach to being resourceful and knowing that you can Google or YouTube a lot of the answers you're looking for, that allows you to gain that confidence because you are finding the answers, you are being resourceful, and that's what instills that confidence in you that, hey, you'll figure it out. Like my mom always, you know, gives me a hard time about this because, and even Noelia, like, you know, uh, she asked, what's the plan or what are we doing? Like even coming down here, when are we meeting him? for how long what are the dates what's going on and i was like i don't know we'll figure it out like <laughs> it, it'll it'll work out because you know you you know that you will find the resources to figure out what you need to do Yep. um and i think that was a huge thing um, yeah. but i i
1: love that whole concept yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think there's something that we, we actually pulled this out of you mm. in the last couple of days. But I, I was listening to you speak over and over, like in just conversation and, and answering questions I was asking. And we're we're talking about building like you from X figures to a hundred million and you're like ten years. I'm like, how about five? Right. And we're building all of this. But but one of the things that I hear when you speak is I hear these like principles, like these laws that are underneath what you share. And what I love is on the outside, I can see it so crystal clearly. You're not successful because you had a YouTube channel or that you knocked on doors or that you posted these Instagram videos. You're successful because you have, for a lack of better terms, laws or principles that you measure yourself against, and then you make your decisions based on those. You understand delayed gratification. You understand that this is a game of base hits. Now, when you started as an entrepreneur, Did you have any of those or did they evolve over time? Did you pick some up? Like, how do you go about making sure that the decisions that you're making um, operate under those laws? Because we've talked about, you know, in the last couple of days, and I don't remember all eight of them, but I remember most of them. um, Like, understanding that this isn't about doing everything somebody else's way because that's building their vision, not yours. This is about operating and watching how people do things and picking up one thing. That you can then apply to your business to then earn the right to get the next one and then we talk about how success comes from consistent daily singles not games of home runs and how practicing delayed gratification is one of the best ways because the decisions that we make today in business that one instagram video that you're posting today isn't going to bring you a hockey stick it's if you post it today and then you post it tomorrow and post another one the next day, that over time, the titration will continue to rise that tide. And then some six to eight months down the road, well, you're still putting videos out. You're going to get this win and wonder where it came from. But you're like, no, no, this came from eight months prior. Yeah. So did you have any of those principles in the very beginning when you were starting out? Or did you iterate and build those as you were kind of learning and then picked up the ones that gave you success? Like, how was that process like for you? It was
0: definitely a combination and I think, you know, one of the things people always ask when I quit engineering is, do you regret your degrees? Like taking two degrees in three years, sacrificing the time where everybody thinks you're just partying in school and all that fun stuff, do you regret it? And my answer is always no because the thing that engineering taught me by condensing two of the most difficult degrees and lengthy degrees into a fraction of the time was time management Mm -hmm. was the discipline of focusing on one thing at a time until completion and i think i had a foundation of a few of those core laws and then as i started to get into entrepreneurship and business and trying new things a lot of it was kind of unraveled as you went based on what you were doing at that time like to (gasps) give context to that for example unattachment Mm -hmm. is a huge one for me um, and that came when I started realizing, well, now I'm a, a solopreneur, if you will, I need to market. Well, the way that everybody else was marketing was looking at what everybody else was doing and just slapping your face on it and saying, well, there's my ad or there's uh, my marketing campaign. And from me, I started taking this approach where I thought, well, what if I take off my realtor, my Mike Sherrard hat and say, if I was a member of the general public and this Facebook ad landed in front of me, Would I click on it? Would I input my information because there's actually value that I want? Would I go so far as to give them my information? Would I even answer a call from this person? And when I started thinking from that lens in that one approach of creating a Facebook ad that then I spent $40 over two days and it yielded a $40,000 commission of eight deals in two days, Mm -hmm. that mindset completely shifted everything. And when I thought about it that way, it became a principle of mine. But that didn't happen until about six months into my real estate journey. So I think it's one of those things that you will start to learn more about yourself and you'll start to learn more about how to approach business based on your own unique journey as you go through. And I think, you know, it's it's a crutch and and you and I even talked about this is. A lot of people will then hear somebody talking about core values or they'll now hear my eight laws and they're not going to take action until they write theirs down. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the approach. Mm-hmm. The approach is this is an iterative process that you will find out over time as you grow. Same with your brand, same with your message, same with your niche, right? You hear this all the time in entrepreneurship, find your niche, or you do this. Well, you might not know it from day one. Yep. Go try a bunch of stuff. Figure it out over time. And once you latch onto it, like I think a great example is Louis, who you're going to meet is, you know, he didn't know his niche for two years. And once he found that, like his life changed over the last few months. But that was two years Mm -hmm. of just trying to figure things out. So you don't have to have it all figured out. And I think that's a, a really important message to those getting started is that. It doesn't, it won't look perfect. Mm-hmm. You won't have it figured out. So don't force it to be that way. Mm-hmm. Like, and you even alluded to it earlier with video. Like my first video was trash, but to even get that video out, like I was not even looking at the camera. There's a metronome going in the background, didn't know how to use the audio. It took me six months of recording myself using a GoPro on my kitchen counter for 30 minutes a day to even get that first video out. I thought that video is pretty damn great in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I look back a year after how did I even put that out <laughs> right like how, like that's atrocious mm-hmm. and then a year later how did I put those video and the I think one of the biggest mistakes people make and, and I will know somebody's going to fail in business if they say this one thing is I'm a perfectionist mm-hmm. if you're a perfectionist you're also broke yep because the only way to work towards perfection is iterative action over an extensive elongated period of time But they're looking to do that from day one, which is humanly impossible. So I think that notion of just getting started, taking action, understanding that delayed gratification aspect, that
1: what you're looking to achieve is on the other side of a marathon. A thousand percent. I love Les Brown says this. He said, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress Mm -hmm. and practice is the way that you win this game. And it's a huge, huge way to think about it because I was in a lot of those similar situations, right? And it was the moment that I, and I got to, <laughs> Gary, I got to give you credit. We've had our differences at a few meals, but I'll give you credit in this one. Um, you know, we talk about like putting in the work and, and learning the game and really, really like investing in what we want to be doing. And a lot of the times for me, I struggled because I was like, oh, it's going to look a certain way or it's going to be a certain way. And all I was doing is really getting in the way of my own learning, right? And I forgot Gary's quote a second ago. I'll remember it in like five minutes and I'll tell everybody what it was supposed to be. Um, but this concept of like, you know, when you think about it, it's like every day we're all given the same amount of time. And this is just my belief that I feel like sharing right now. We're all given the same amount of time, no matter which way you slice it, no matter how much money you have, you are not adding any more than 24 hours in a day. Right. You take sleep off the counter because all the best entrepreneurs, the ones that are most successful, sleep because sleep is where your brain develops, it's where you take care of your body, it's where you invest in yourself. So that leaves me with sixteen hours. Then you add your priorities on top of it, and you add your family and your kids to not literally sacrifice moments and memories under the guise of I'm quote unquote doing this for my family. Mm -hmm. You know, those hard lessons when I was like, Oh yeah, I have to go to work instead of going to blank with my son. If I ask my five year old and I say, Hey bud, Do you want daddy to go to work so that you can have an extra comma in your bank account 20 years from now? Or do you want me to go to this thing? He's always going to choose that thing. And so when I really boil it down on my average day, I have six-ish hours, six-ish hours to myself. My workouts are done. My family buckets are done. And yet some of the most successful people I know do it in two to three hours a day. And it's not that they have any more time It's that they're intentional. They've learned from experience and they think about the resources that are around them and how they're going to use them. But I've also found similarities in every single one of my successful friends. And yes, I don't give myself enough credit. I'm all aware. I can hear it in my own language patterns right now and it's bothering me. I'm also very, very successful because I protect the progress and I protect those steps every single day. And there's plenty of days I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to run an ultra marathon today. But there's also plenty of days i wake up and i'm like the thought of even taking one step feels impossible but it's in those days that i take those steps that over a course of span of time those steps add up into this result that you know quote unquote happened overnight but really, it was, this, it was this commitment to progress. It was this commitment to progress over and over. But I want to pull out something you said a minute ago, because we were talking about that Facebook ad, right? You're like, oh, I started the Facebook ad. What do I want people to see? I want it to be different. I invested $40 and I had $40,000 of commission. And everyone listening to that's like, oh, great. Yeah, your first time. Uh, I know that wasn't your first ad. And I know not all of them created that result, right? There were probably 100 losses to that one. Right. But I think it's because and this would be my assumption that you were like, oh, OK, that one didn't work. OK, I won't do that again. OK, that one didn't work. I won't do that one again. OK, this one does work. I'm going to keep this part. And you just kept practicing and progressing. Is that a fair assessment?
0: Yeah, it was a complete iterative process. Yep. Like, you know, it was really funny because when I joined my brokers, they were like, you can sign up for five hundred dollars a month and we're going to give you leads. And I asked them, like, what's the average cost per lead? And they were like uh, something like three dollars or something like that. And then what I started doing is again, my commitment was to over deliver on value. And in 2017, in a market that was the slowest in North America, only 27% of listings were selling. When when the market shifts, the the average agent or the average entrepreneur's mindset is to reduce cost, and mine was to increase cost. And because I knew that if I over delivered on value and invested more <coughs> into the business. That that was going to make me stand out miles above the rest. So what I did is I started focusing heavily on professional photography, videography, drone. And once I did that, I I immediately from running my ads understood that when I ran it like other people, I didn't get that great results. When I ran it the way that I did it with my photography, my quality, I was getting leads at 17 cents a lead. Mm-hmm. That were high-quality converting into deals. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that was an iterative process. But then again, over time, then the algorithm changes. Then iOS updates change. Then every privacy laws change and all these things. And I think the biggest thing that helped me was in the beginning, I did well with Facebook ads. But I was iterating based on what everybody else was doing. And the moment that that ad crushed is because I started saying, well, now that I'm doing this, and not only am I doing it, I'm freaking teaching it for free on YouTube. So now other people in my market are doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that they can't take from me is my perspective and the way that I do things uniquely. So when I started saying, okay, this is a little bit different, but now let's shift over here and start looking at things you know, with an attachment and thinking completely differently from a consumer's perspective, anybody can copy my ad, but they can't copy my frame of reference and my thought process towards others. Mm-hmm. And when I started approaching marketing in a way that nobody could take it from me because they can't see what's in my head, that's when I started winning the game.
1: Yep. Yep. And I want to, I want to ask you about marketing. I just remembered the quote. Um, so Gary, Gary said this, uh, God, I probably heard him say this six years ago, we were at an event together. And he said this line, and, and, and I haven't forgotten it since. And he said, if you're romantic about how you do business, you'll go out of business. Mm-hmm. And there's so much truth to that statement. And I've taken that and I've looked across the way because most of my struggles as an entrepreneur, most of the ones where, like, for example, like my first digital product made a million dollars, but then I never kept selling it. I went and made a new offer it wasn't because the offer wasn't good. It's like, I thought the moment it worked, it was just going to work forever. Mm -hmm. I thought the moment it converted, it was going to convert forever. And I thought the moment the email worked, it was going to work forever. And the moment I had the title for the offer, it was going to work forever. And I lived in that bubble for probably five years. And my wife used to make fun of me so much. And now that you know my wife, and by the way, just for the record, um, my wife, And Mike's future wife just happened to be separated at birth in two separate countries. (laughs) So it's been a very surreal experience for me watching them work. And then I'm like, I see a look and I'm like, I feel that, man. That's like my wife is looking at me. I don't want to get Noelle upset over here. Um, But she used to make fun of me. And she's like, you're the only person I know who can launch six separate six-figure businesses in one year and then get bored with them and start another one. Because I just assumed... That when it worked, Mm -hmm. the moment it stopped working, it was never going to work again. And I had to start over because I thought and had this trauma wound of like, I only have to figure it out once. And there's this somehow there's a finish line. And truth be told, now in the seat that I sit in with the experience I have, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this race never ends. It's my willingness to play it every day. That's yeah. the difference between me having success and not success. And I think that was a pretty big lesson for me.
0: Well, and and it even just opens up a, a, a thought that it, I speak on a lot and is really near and dear to my heart because of the application and utility of it is I always tell people one of the reasons why, and, and I use realtors as a reference because it's the space I'm in, but yep. it, it applies to all entrepreneurship, which is that most people stop learning when they had to stop learning which is if you finish in high school they stopped learning at high school the better way to phrase that is most people stop learning new things when the repercussions for not is immediate Mm -hmm. so a lot of people finish university finish college finish high school get into real estate for for example and they say well i'm good at this so i'm just going to do it that way forever and the problem is is The repercussions aren't immediate. They're delayed six, 12 months from now when you're broke. Yep. But because you don't feel that immediate dissatisfaction and repercussion, like if you don't learn a new skill in high school, university or college, you get a big fat F and you have to go redo it until you learn it. There's no other way. Yep. And that's how most people have, you know, they leave it in the past. And the, the problem with that is that if you look at any successful entrepreneur, like you look at... Any of the big guys, Elon or, or Richard Branson or any of the big ones that, that we all know, Andy, Ed, all, everybody, a new platform comes out. Gary V's probably is you probably know, a good reference yep. for this is a new platform comes out. He's learning it at the highest level now. Yep. Something new comes out. He's learning it. And yep. you look at the people that stay ahead of the game. They're just the ones that are adapting the quickest to the newest thing that is relevant that will give them a leg up. Yep. But that comes from discomfort. And a lot of people... Uh, really struggle with the idea of starting from scratch. Yep. They don't like starting from something new because they're great at cold calling, but video is so uncomfortable that they hate the feeling of being terrible at something. Yep. And that stunts a lot of people's growth and and it makes yep. them irrelevant really quickly in an age where things are changing so quickly. And the ones that... I've always been a huge you know, believer of this is that the ones that win in business are not the ones with the most experience, the biggest bank account, or the most connections. It's the ones that are the most willing to adapt. Yeah. And because that adaptation can take you through anything and it can actually help for free or for a fraction of the cost position you in a greater space than your competition that has the budget and the connections and the experience. Now you create the blue ocean opportunity because you learned something they weren't willing to. And I think. Thousand percent. Yeah, that lack of learning and that lack of interest in developing new skill sets is uh, a huge uh, obstacle for many.
1: Yeah, and, and really for me what it boils down to is having this childlike curiosity, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, one of the greatest things that we can be is curious. The moment we think we know that that's the way, this has to be it. We've already lost the game because we're putting blinders on to all the potential, to all the opportunities, for all the avenues that we can't see. And and I think there's an important note for you here um, and what you said, and I'm glad that you said this. It's like, just because a new platform comes out, it doesn't mean that I have to use that platform. My business is going to work or not work, but I know what's important for me is to be able to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. So like when TikTok started popping off during COVID, everyone's on TikTok and I was like all right fine right and it's like they were telling me for like 3 months and I was like oh I was like all right fine and I was like I'll do TikTok every day for 30 days and truth be told I did it and my first video 100,000 views with like 1,100 followers and then like up and down I had some half a million and then I did 30 days and I was like this doesn't feel aligned with how I want to do marketing there's nothing wrong with the platform I think it's a great platform but at that point I didn't go back into my business thinking I was going to lose because I wasn't on TikTok or that I was going to miss something because I wasn't on TikTok. I actually was able to talk about TikTok better than most people that were using it. And I realized it just wasn't aligned to me, but I knew there wasn't this ambiguity. There wasn't this like open loop of like, oh, but could I, or could I not? And there wasn't all my eggs are going that basket. But in the game of entrepreneurship, my belief is it's a game, Mm -hmm. but it's a game where they change the rule book every day. And your willingness to be curious about the rule change, to be curious about the field, to be curious about how other people are playing on the field, in my opinion, is what gives you a leg up and puts you in a position of power to be able to capitalize on those opportunities. It doesn't mean you have to take all of them. It means that you have to have this willingness and this curiosity to play. Yeah. And when you play, you learn very, very quickly, do I want to keep playing this game or not? And then you're like, oh, I do, but I want to play this way. Because this is the way that it's aligned for me. And I think that that's a big part that's missed. Because now, I mean, I find myself, we have new platforms come up, new opportunities. We got, you know, AI popping off right now. And of course, I sent it to my team. And then I was like, they're like, do you want me? I'm like, no, no, I'm doing it. I want to play. And I like dove in for like a weekend. And I spent like 20 hours playing with AI. And I was like, oh, yeah, this has some serious potential to benefit a lot of people. And it's actually crazy because it made me a better leader to my team because I'm like, hey, I've been playing with it. Don't worry about figuring it out. I think here's how we should use it. So get comfortable there. And then you go play and let me know what you find, right? Yeah. And it just creates all these opportunities and avenues that we wouldn't have known about if we weren't willing to get in and dance. But now I can have an intelligent conversation about AI, about chat GPT, about how it's going to affect business because I'm speaking from an experience. And I think that that's a big, big
0: principle for people. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, one of the things that's also important to take away from that, like you say, is, you know, it kind of goes back to that principle of knowing enough to be dangerous. It's you actually gave it a shot. You didn't just give it a shot once, but you consistently did it for a contained window of time to the point where now not only can you make an informed decision, but you are now knowing enough about the platform to be dangerous so that you can make calculated decisions going forward for you or your clients or your team and i think you know a lot of people will take like you know i see this all the time with funnels is Mm -hmm. people won't even want to learn it they want to outsource it they get charged 15k for one funnel And then they can't, they don't even know enough to call out that, hey, not only did that only should have cost $500 or $1,000, but you can't even point out where it went wrong because you don't know anything about it. And I think, you know, also a really important thing to to kind of pull from what you said is looking at the intangibles slash tangibles. That you can take from experiences of being curious. Like yep. one of the things similar to me, I'm not a huge you know, activist or advocate on, on TikTok. I rarely use it. Um, but the skill of now becoming efficient with short-form content has allowed me to apply that in other ways. Yep. Not just saying, okay, I can use short-form content for Instagram reels and YouTube shorts. I think the most important lesson I learned from short form content, which stemmed from TikTok, a platform I barely even use, is is ha- being forced to learn how to take a uh, somewhat complex um, kind of situation and condense it into very easy to understand layman's terms for the average person. Mm-hmm. Being somebody that's so um, kind of deep down the rabbit hole of long form content. I have time to give context and elaborate on different situations. Mm -hmm. I really struggled with being able to condense that principle into sub 30 seconds, still get the point across to the average person that doesn't have the context. That has now helped me with my ability to convert when I'm talking to agents, when I'm talking to clients, when I'm doing anything, because now I can get a complex um, principle out in a fraction of the time and have it hit and sink deep with them. And that all stemmed from a short form platform that I barely even used, yep. that I know enough to be dangerous of. But that that intangible progress you make that you can make tangible through different application is really powerful.
1: Yeah, man. and And it goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? It becomes an invaluable tool in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to use it every day. It doesn't mean you ever have to use it again. But it means that if it ever is called upon, you're not out looking for it. You look down, you reach into your toolbox and you're like, here, because we both joke about videos, right? Because like I've been doing videos since 2010, 2011 is when I did like my first video on the internet and it was hard, right? Like it was hard. I was like using like a flip phone back then to record videos and that feels really old right now. Um, but now it's like my team will shoot me masters like, hey, we want to do a new course. Here's 41 videos. And in a matter of three hours, I can record an entire course. And that is a skill set that I will have for the rest of my life that I've invested in. I think it's, I think for everybody listening, I, I can't say this enough. And I, I'm sure Mike would echo my statement here. And uh, I got to give full credit to Alex Hermosi as well, who has to come on the show as well. And he'll probably talk about this when I have him on the show. Um, but he's bullish on this as well. And he's like at every opportunity that I had an extra bit of money in my business, that I had an extra bit of cash flow, that I had an extra bit of space, I already knew where it was going and was going directly back into investing in myself. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to my next question, because I look at you in the industry that you're in and the niche that you're in, and I would consider you an authority. I I think you're a genius at branding, at advertising and at marketing, and we're going to get into that. But I also think my belief is one of the reasons that you are that way is because you didn't just spend your time investing in yourself and skills for your business. You invested in yourself. And so what were some of like the biggest wins that you found in investing yourself? Was it investing in personal development or mindset or boom? Because, you know, we've talked a lot about skills today in entrepreneurship. And I feel like those are very, very soft skills that we can uh, uh, capitalize on at any single time. But I also know the level of investment that you took on yourself Mm -hmm. that gave you hard skills that lasted forever that actually changed the way you were able to utilize and see those soft skills. So like, what are some giant important areas, whether this is what you help your wolf pack with or your clients with or realtors, like, where do you think the most critical areas that entrepreneurs can invest in themselves knowing that their investment now is going to pay off five years from now, 10 years from now. Like what are some of those for you? Yeah. Biggest one, very easy is mindset yep. because, and and I talk about this on stage all the time
0: is the reason why any entrepreneur fails or realtors in my space is not because they don't have the ability to succeed is that they mentally can't push through the difficult times. Mm-hmm. If you know, you can go learn all of the other skills, marketing, branding, advertising that can come. But if you don't have the grit and fortitude and mental toughness to actually push through the ups and downs that are inevitable in this journey, you are going to quit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a, a problem with a lot of people is that They're not even protecting up here. All they're doing, and they're not protecting their mind. What they're doing is just learning for the next, looking for the next shiny penny. What's the next thing that is hot right now that will get me to where I want to be tomorrow? How can I, you know, shorten the learning curve, or how can I just have an overnight success and go straight to what works? But all of those things are irrelevant if you don't have the mindset to get through the situations that you're up against. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the things that I'm very prideful of is that I constantly see, especially in my space, and this is very consistent across the board of all industries, but in real estate, all the people that I see getting coached get coached from the same coaches in real estate. And they wonder why they don't have a unique brand, why they don't stand out, why they look the same because they're all playing to the same tune, getting taught by the same people. And from day one, I've honestly never had a coach in real estate. Mm -hmm. Every single coach or mentor or program that I bought was external to the industry because I found that real estate being a very archaic space and very old school, if I brought something from the outside world, if I learned something from Gary or Andy or Ed or you uh, from these experiences or Alex, like when I bring that to the industry, it's now innovative. It's different. It's unique. And people haven't seen it because they're all playing in this container of the same stuff. I'm out here looking for what's working in the industries that are two years ahead of us Mm -hmm. right now. Bring that in, put my own spin on it, and now it's different. And I think... That combination of focusing very heavily on the mental aspect, knowing that that is, you can take all the other skills away. If you've got the mindset, if you lose them all, you've still got the mental fortitude to push through. Yes. So I think that's been a huge thing, mindset first, and then looking at how can you zig when everybody else zags? Mm -hmm. If everybody else is learning from this source, how can you find one that they're not even thinking about? Mm -hmm. Bring that to your space. And now you've got something different.
1: Yeah. And and it, it triggered a book recommendation for me, for everybody listening, obviously. I apparently am a broken record of my book recommendations. But when I catch them and they stick, I keep them forever. Uh, Mike McAllowitz, full credit. Uh, if you've never read Mike McAllowitz's books, he wrote Clockwork, The Pumpkin Plan. Um, but he has an incredible book that he released uh, about three years ago called Fix This Next. Oh, not Fix This Next, Get Different. Get right. Different. He wrote Fix This Next and Get Different. And, uh, that book get different is how to basically stand out in a crowded market to be unique and to be different in your marketing and, and to echo a principle, um, that is a guiding principle for you is that this isn't about applying things in, in in its entirety and copying what somebody does. It's picking up that one thing. And, and it's funny, the more we talk, whether it's recorded or not, the more I realize I'm like, oh, we're the same person. This is why we have the same future wife, except I'm married to mine. We are identical. Um, because that's what it was. It was like when I was a food blogger and everyone's like, oh, the algorithm's broken. I'm not going to post on Facebook anymore because it's not linear. And I was like, okay, well, I have to do it different. And everybody's putting recipes on their blog. Let me put a full recipe on Facebook and see what happens. And then 200,000 fans later in six months, everyone's like, how'd you do it? I was like, uh, I just did what nobody else was doing that added value first. And then it tended to work. And I say that knowing that it wasn't the first guess. It was probably the 700th guess, but every day I guess seven more times and I guess seven more times and I guess seven more times. And I learned very quickly what worked and what didn't work, what people resonated and didn't. And so I just want to echo that statement because I think that's such a powerful concept to understand.
0: Yeah. And, and, and something that I think is, is really important and you've touched on this throughout the conversation is, I find a lot of people become serial learners Mm -hmm. and they, and they hear the BS. I'll watch my language, but they, but they hear, Oh, this is an explicit (laughs) show.
1: Perfect. Okay.
0: They, they, they hear the, the, the bullshit quote of knowledge is power, which is complete crap. Knowledge. Exactly. Knowledge is potential. The application of it is what's powerful. And again, you see all these people that have read every book. They've been to every seminar. Mm -hmm. They, they buy every program and they're still broke because yep. they don't do anything with it. And I think one of the things that that you and I both, you know, jive about is once you learn something, apply it immediately until it becomes second nature, then introduce something else. And that application of the things that you learn are what turn you into a weapon in business. Yep. And all too many people are looking at the consumption, not the implementation. And instead of becoming a serial learner, you become a serial implementer to the point where you can now become a practitioner of what you're actually doing. And all too many people, again, are just consumed with the intake. Um, and I find they almost use that as a crutch and excuse to yep. say that they're making progress. Yep.
1: Um, but it never becomes tangible progress because it never sees the light of day. Yeah. And, and I, I, was, I was in that. I was in that. For me, it was, uh, you know, I used to think it was the fear of failure. Yeah. It wasn't. I was failing actively. It was the fear of success because the moment I applied it, I was going to create a different result. My fear wasn't that I failed. My fear was I didn't know how to be and how to accept that it was actually going to work. And so I would just consume and consume and consume. And it got to a point where it broke everything and I had to make a rule that I wasn't allowed to consume content for three years. No books, no music, no audio. And that was the most challenging part. I felt like I was going through opiate withdrawals again. Because my identity wasn't wrapped up in what I was creating every day. My identity was being pulled out from everybody else I consumed. And I had no true idea of who I was. And I remember that first six months. like I'd be like, what do I do? Like, uh, And I would sit at my desk and eventually I started to realize if I can't consume, there's only one thing I can do and it's create. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a long time to break that habit. And I think it's important that entrepreneurs understand this, uh, is that we live in a, in a world where attention is the number one traded commodity. But if somebody else is demanding your attention, your attention is not directed at your vision. Mm-hmm. And the only way to direct it towards your vision is to consume intentionally, but then to immediately implement that and focus on those base hits.
0: Yeah. It's, it's using, you know, social media is kind of a, a recurring theme just based on the nature of, of, you know, what I do but it's using social media as a tool not a toy. Yes. A lot of people use it as a toy and they and and again there's a time and a place to consume for entertainment. Yep. But you know for me I think one thing that has helped uh allow further my my skills on video and different things like that is like when I'm consuming content I'm using it as an educational space where it's not just educational in terms of what is being said or the photo that's there the caption that's there is why is this resonating with me? Why did it grab my attention? What, how is it being delivered? Like all of the intangibles, mm-hmm. a lot of people, are like there's levels to this. There's entertainment, then there's education. There's education to be educated based on the words being said. But then the layer deeper of when you become a weapon is mm-hmm. how is it being said? Mm-hmm. How is that education being delivered? and that's when you can start to develop these skills at a rapid pace because you're consuming on two different layers now Yep. both what and how yep and when you do that and you apply it in in a consistent process that is what i think
1: accelerates the growth curve that's such a golden nugget and 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 even to allude to what you said earlier and and i love that you called this out is like when you invest in coaching or hiring me like i'm not in the real estate industry Yet I have a lot of realtors because the principles and things that I teach apply across the board. And everyone's like, God, every time I do this, I skyrocket. I'm like, because there's no realtor sitting here listening to me. So if you listen and you're a realtor, you got the keys to the kingdom, right? And it's this consistency of trying because for me, I don't like planning, right? Like if you're like, oh, I need you to give a keynote. If you try to tell me to write you a like five slide presentation, it will take me 12 hours, Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. It doesn't feel right to me. And I was like, I don't want to speak like that. I want to be able to on the spot, be able to answer any question, put it into context, answer it in a modality, give them something tangible to do. And so when I started consuming again, I just started watching freestyle rap Mm -hmm. for like three hours a day and I would study it. I would study the language patterns. I would study their cadence. I would study their delivery i would go watch interviews with them on how they thought about words and how they were able off the top of their head to remember all these sentences and then I became luckily dear friends of my buddy Jim Quick, who's the brain master in the world, and started picking up pieces for him and and now it's really, really funny because it it, it almost it almost feels like I was born this way to where like you can throw me on a stage in front of 10,000 people I've never met and I will just give a keynote with no context. But it was because I invested in learning the skill outside of it just being a marketing or just being speaking. And I was like, how do I want to show up and what skills can I buy mm-hmm. or invest in to go? And um, I want to say something about this because we were talking about this earlier a little bit before I get to my next question. You know, I think I think you alluded to this, but I think it's huge. We both talked about in the very beginning how like we were broke, right? Like we were trading things. We were selling things. We were doing it. and. When I was back that way, I wasn't out spending a $500 course or a $1,000 course or a $1,500 course. I invested at the level where I currently was in my business that allowed me to get to the next level to invest deeper. This wasn't a, oh, I saved up because there's this one event I want to go to and this one event's going to change my business. So if I save up for the next 13 months, then I can go to this event. It's like, hey, I want to get to that event. But me just sitting here saving for 13 months is wasting 13 months of opportunity for me to practice. So that event is on my bucket list, but how can I chunk it down? Like what skill, what behavior, what habit could I use that would help me get closer to that event? And where can I find it right now? And I have a buddy who still to this day, very successfully will not buy a book. He started at a very early age of having a challenge. So he would go to the library for an hour a day, and he would find a book based on the challenge that he was having. He would pull it off the shelf. He would read it to find the answer. He would put it back and he would go implement it into his business. And they would come back to the library the next day. I didn't even know libraries were still a thing. Pairing the library cards are like $12 a year for like the best education that you could get. But I just think that's an important thing to call out because, you know, it's easy for you and I to sit here now to talk about this, but in those early stages, I believe, and this is probably true for you too, is that what we looked for was what's the fastest place to find this resource at a level that I can invest in it now to then put at least that baseline or that thought into movement in my business.
0: Yeah, 100%. And like if we're being completely honest, it goes with my program, goes with every. Everything is already out there Everything. and it's all for free. Everything. It's just how, it, you know, if you've got the funds to pay for it, to shorten the learning curve yep. by having it built out in a sequentially operated way to save yourself time and make it more convenient, like time and convenience is the only th- reason why people can charge for anything anyway. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, even like, I'm sure if I spent the next 10 years studying customer journey, I could learn a pretty good chunk of. What we talked over the last three days, but why would I do that if I could come down here in person in three days, get it and go? Yeah. And the only difference is working towards getting to the point where you've got the income to invest and shorten that learning curve. But everything out there is free. It's just you just have to go down the rabbit hole for a second. And now, especially in this day and age, you look at the the level of quality that's being put out there that no longer is information commoditized to the point that it always was, like. In the beginning stages of social or before social, you know, information was, you know, essentially behind gates and you had to pay to play. Mm -hmm. But now it's all out there. And because it's going out there at such a rapid pace, it is only becoming easier and easier to find. Mm -hmm. Right. You look at some of the channels of people that you and I have alluded to. You could learn how to build a seven figure business for free and, and truth be told. You know, and this is just being completely honest, aside from this one experience over the last three days, I have learned more from a number of people's YouTube channels, Hermosi and Jim and all these other people than any program I've ever bought in my life, like by miles for free over the last six months. Yep. And I think that's where a lot of people, as you're alluding to, just need to look at the the income isn't – uh, a direct reflection of the quality that is being out there. A lot of people are charging absorptive amounts for things because it's associated to a brand that people perceive as credible. Yep. And that branding is why, you know, looking at the new SUV, I'm getting the Lamborghini Urus. Why is that so expensive? Because there's a Lamborghini badge over the Audi uh, the, RSQ8, the, RS-Q8, the yeah. identical vehicle. <laughs> yep, I know, right? And it's all packaging. It's all branding. Yep. Right? Same thing. So. Yep. I think it's one of these things that in the beginning, you just need to look at, you know, being more resourceful because you don't have the luxury to spend to shorten that learning curve. But I think that's a beautiful thing because now going through the fire for a little bit, you learn the intangible grit and fortitude and and the speed of which you can consume that, again, will make you a weapon in
1: different ways down the road. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Dude, I I like this is early on in marketing for me. You know when i when i started and and i don't think i've actually ever talked about this anywhere publicly so for my audience this will be the first time but like when i make an offer when i make a lead magnet like i shared this with you right i would go buy everybody's courses Mm -hmm. that were offering what i offered that i wanted to give away for free as a lead magnet i'd spend two grand on this course and three grand on this course and i would look at them and i didn't care what their content was i was looking at like how much value are you providing here and I would go spend ten grand on courses to then make a lead magnet for free. And when I would go market it, it would be like I was trying to like convince somebody to like jump to their death just to give me their email because I wasn't charging money for it. They're like, "There's no way this can be valuable." And in the early stages, like a couple hundred people go through it and they do go make a million dollars and two million dollars and swear by it. But people are like, there's no way I'm not even going to join in. And I was like, stop making this difficult. Like, just be willing to find it. But most importantly, put it into practice, right? Like, I don't think there's a more powerful takeaway when it comes to content that we've talked about today than really is knowledge is potential. Application is what creates the results. And it's a huge, huge part. And so I want to ask this question. I don't ask many people this question, but I'm just so innately curious because of how well you do with branding and marketing and advertising in what you create, how do you define marketing? For me,
0: marketing is and, – and again, we've kind of gone back and forth with yeah. marketing, advertising, and and branding. But to me, I consider marketing free content. Okay. And I think marketing is defined – and again, there's multiple ways to kind of approach marketing, advertising, and branding, kind of the three pillars yeah. that, that we've dove into – um, but I think it's it's a it's a medium of attraction through something that is organic mm. and not paid in my mindset. And I think um, there's many different ways to slice and dice it. But to me, by sticking with that routine, that's really helped with mine.
1: Yeah, and and I'm gonna ask you this question. It might take you a minute to think about. Um, so I'm gonna ask you because I'm gonna expand on the question, but I'm gonna set it so you can start thinking about it, like. You know, in looking at the past five years, right, where you've gone from no YouTube channel to having an incredible one to having a, a downline, for lack of better terms, of, you know, 1,500 people having a course, launching a mastermind. When you think back about those things, like, what would you consider, like, when it comes under the lens of marketing, like the three things that you will never stop doing? or you will never let go of like the ones that like, no matter what, whether it's now three years from now or five years from now that, you know, that in that lens of marketing, like you're always going to keep those as guiding principles because you've learned that they're so effective for you.
0: Yeah. The first one is, uh, and, and a lot of these are tied to the eight laws, right? I I think number one is consistency. Mm -hmm. That has been huge. Um, you know, you even touched on this in the beginning of, of kind of, you know, over-delivering on the activities that you have to do in the beginning. Like, when I got started in real estate and I had no money, like, I posted once a day every single day for the first 1,000 days on Instagram to get to my first 10,000 followers or whatever it was. Um, I posted YouTube videos twice a week every week for the last three years and haven't missed one. And, again, going back to hitting singles, like, that's why momentum has been built because I've been unwavering in the way that I'm consistent with the activity to the point where it's not if it will work out, it's when it when? will work out. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, at 70,000 or whatever subscribers I've got now, you know, I, I'm excited, you know, a little win will be when you get that, uh, like the play button at 100,000. Yep. And everybody's like, you'll get 100,000 extra. And I'm like, I couldn't care less when I get it. I know I'll get it. Yep. It's just when do I get it? And to me being unattached from when I couldn't care less because I know it's going to come. Yep. And I think that allows me to be consistent because too many people set these short term goals with marketing of being like, if I don't reach this in three months, (laughs) that I'm going to a different medium or a different platform or a different approach. And for me, my mentality towards content has always been if you can't do it for a lifetime, don't do it for a day. If I'm doing video, if I'm doing YouTube, like I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Like yep. that's the approach. It might not be reality, but when you go in with that perspective, you don't let the the shortcomings falter. And I think that's been a huge thing. Another thing is, is the unattachment and not like – i find a lot of people especially as they start to develop skill sets and get a bit of confidence in themselves they start to think that because they're putting out certain content that it must be special and they forget that nobody's special nobody and when you start looking at it from an unbiased lens this is why again you know we kind of briefly touched on this over the last few days i think there's immense value in the inefficiencies like the cards that you get sent out the handwritten cards mm-hmm. that's that can be incredibly inefficient but the value is astronomical. Yep. And I think for me like still to this date after having like 500 videos on my channel, I rewatch 100% of my own videos before they go live. Ex- extremely inefficient. Yep. Um but that's how I learn because I look at it unbiasedly and think well where does my attention drift? Where where like uh how do how does this video make me feel? And when I do it that way, knowing that I'm unbiased towards the, the approach and I have no attachment. That's how others will feel. So that's how I can iterate over time to improve because I can start to look at how do I feel putting myself in the lens of the general, Mm -hmm. and that has been huge. So I think consistency, the unattachment is a huge one, um, thinking unbiasedly. And the last one is, is, you know, you already led into this perfectly is the over-delivery on value, right? I, I, you know you know, you're mindful of how you say things like this, but I got all excited when somebody at the mastermind we were at was kind of rocked a little bit when I said that I will do the same as you. Like I will go buy people's programs that are in my space, look at it and make my program just a shit ton better for a fraction of the price. And then the person, you know, the mastermind was like, well, what if that was me? And I'm like, well, that's your problem right there is that that is you yep. and there's sharks in the water. And if you're bleeding, we know what's going to happen. Yep. And the ones that over deliver on value. And I think that's, that's the goal through content. Hermose's on done this better than anybody, anybody. is he has over delivered so astronomically, you know, uh, well compared to everybody else that there's no, like it's everyone's like, how did he grow so quick? How did he come out of nowhere? Well, do you look at what he's saying? Yep. Right. Like, that's the thing is the ones that win are the ones that are able to go that extra mile to the point where you're always worried about somebody copying you. Well, if you're giving away what they're scared to give away so that they charge for it, you will always win. Yep. Um, and then the, the cool part is, is, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of if if you feel like you're giving too much away, it's a red flag that you're not giving away enough. Yep. And by living by that principle, it will always keep you ahead of the competition because people have this this perspective of well, what if I give it all away? And the, the thing is, is you can give all of the information away. The packaging of it and the branding and the accountability that comes from the paid aspect yep. of it is what will forever remain. Yep. So I think people have it incorrect, but – you know, certainly the three principles of marketing. Just to kind of you know close that loop would be the consistency, the the unattachment and unbiased approach, and and the over delivery of value.
1: Yeah, I, I I love it, and 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 I think a very important call out is the undertone of you have this belief of it, It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, mm-hmm. and that level of commitment is what really really leads to success. And and to tie this all the way back to an hour plus ago, um, when I struggled with that when I was having struggle with commitment, when I was having struggle with base hits, it was simply because I wasn't clear on who I wanted to become, what I wanted my vision to look like. So I didn't have a frame of measure to know that that unwavering commitment was actually getting me close to my goals because I was not acting from a place of who do I want to be? I was acting from a place of who do I not want to be? Mm -hmm and that never led me to a positive result and so i love that because like the same thing for me like when we made the decision to come back on social my team's like well we're going to get 10th i'm like uh uh-uh, uh 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 uh-uh. i don't give a fuck and they're like well well how are you going to know i'm doing my job i'm like that you post something of free of value every day and one person benefits and he's like, That's it. I'm like, Yep, you'll never get fired. You'll never get a demotion. You'll only get a raise if you do that. If it happens to get ten thousand, great. If it gets a hundred thousand, great. If it gets a million, great. I don't care. Because in my opinion, it's the wrong unit of measure. A hundred percent,
0: and and that's like a perfect thing where you know you've seen it at a at a far greater uh you know lens than I have. But you know there's we both know many people that have more followers and dollars in their bank account. Yeah, if that is the situation for you, you are on the wrong end of the stick. A thousand and- percent. You know that's that's something that again so many people in in the space that we're in have become just in enthralled with the vanity metrics to the point where that is their barometer and measure for success is the followers and the subscribers and the comments and this um but for me like i just take a very practical approach to it and a very literal approach which is how does this turn into income yeah like what does my bank account look like because i would much rather you know have a thousand followers and have $50 $50 million in the bank, then, you know, 5 million followers and be broke, yep. which we know many people are. We and do. I think, you know, as people are going through it, it's it, that delayed gratification is is something that always pulls hard is understanding that if you continuously do the right things, and you over deliver on value, and you're consistent with it for relentless periods of time, the income, the impact and the
1: influence will all follow thousand percent. And I couldn't put a bow on that one any better. But before I forget this question, cause I was going to do this earlier and I just remembered, um, I want you to g- give a minute to let everybody understand like, kind of like what you do, like currently how you help people, because like, I think you're a master and, and I know you have a proclivity for realtors, but I have gotten astronomical value out of watching your YouTube videos. Yet I'm not a realtor because I'm listening to the how and the what and the principles. But for everybody listening, uh, can you give everybody kind of an overview of like what you do now, how you help people and where the best place people can find you is? Yeah, definitely. Like the, the, the synopsis of it, and, and I'm glad that you even
0: just said that, which is that, you know, even though all the content on my channel is entirely tailored towards realtors, the application of it and the utility of it in any industry is the same. Yep. You just replace realtor with plumber or, you know, whatever you whatever yep. industry you're in um but for me now you know i've got a couple of things on the go all and we can probably just briefly touch on this all in the same niche yep which is number one is the Wolfpack, which is my organization at exp realty we're the one of the fastest if not i think now the fastest growing group in the history of the company um again the overnight success thing and not to go off on a tangent but i became within my first two years you know without You know recruiting anybody the number one recruiter globally at the fastest growing brokerage in history well people say how did you do that well it's because of the three years of free content that i put out that you guys weren't that when i joined an opportunity that allowed me to leverage that it blew up, yep. right? It was the foundation. So uh, to get back on track, eXp Realty with my revenue organization where I help realtors essentially, again, kind of go against the grain of how can you now over deliver on value, take a better approach to marketing, branding, and become essentially a modern agent, not a secret agent. Yep. Um, then just based on my own experience, I have the Social Agent Academy, which is again, just my social media training program for realtors where I saw this, this, gap in the industry where people were charging a thousand dollars for facebook ads and a thousand dollars for instagram and a thousand dollars for youtube and all these people and you know back when i first launched the academy i said well what i'm going to do is just take every platform and charge 397 and i did and it blew up Mm -hmm. um because i over delivered on value and so I've, i've built that and then high converting content so personal branding for realtors um all things that are of my experience production marketing advertising branding are the the three pillars of the businesses that I run. Um, But I think, you know, a a lesson that I learned that I think is important that kind of goes into what I now do is when I was launching the social agent Academy, when I was launching high converting content, I was going to do high converting content for all entrepreneurs. And we started it that way because my mindset was what I'm saying, what I'm doing can be applied to everybody, but I only had authority in real estate. So when we approached it and said, hey, anybody, you know, come one, come all, come use this branding agency. Well, we got people, but we couldn't create a streamlined process. I didn't have the educate. I had to go spend time learning about their business. And one of uh, you know, my friends, Jared Adams, like he said, you know, Mike, do in real estate. Like that's where you're known. That's your expertise. Stay in one lane, like build your brand around what you're known for. And the second we made the switch to just do everything specific to real estate, it went from $200,000 the first year to $1.2 million the second year, no change. And I think that's something that I've learned is that a lot of people get distracted because they understand that the skill sets they have can be applied to everything and everyone. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they start saying, well, because I'm good at marketing, advertising, and branding, I can go do this over here. I can go do that. And these people will crush it. And this offer would kill it. As soon as they start taking it away from their zone of genius, they dilute that drastically. So for me, yeah, I could coach people or I could train people that are car dealer owners or that are in the financial services industry all day long. But I don't buy design because my profit margins are so high um, because I stay in a lane that is second nature to me. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, even just looking at the tracking of my income last year, it was really eye-opening because – It was, I made the same amount as I did the year prior, but my profit margin went from 50% to 85% just by staying in my own lane and being very self-aware of what my zone of genius is and anything outside of that. I don't even entertain it. I don't look at it. If I get an email, it gets archived. I do not, you know, deviate from the plan, Mm -hmm. if you will. And that is something that is hard when you've got all these you know beautiful things being presented to you the the ones that win are the ones that most quickly learn how
1: and when and where to say no yep oh man that is a that is a golden nugget to drop on the ones that win are the ones that learn how and when to say no god this thing is loaded with loaded with loaded with nuggets so i want to i want to land the plane there but i do want to ask cuz i've never had somebody in the office after an intensive so for just for context for everybody uh mike's a client and a dear friend and he's been out here with noelia and we've spent the last three days basically designing for lack of better terms world domination in my opinion um but i would love to hear from you like what has it been like like what was it like before how do you feel after like what are some takeaways or things that you're excited about like i'm just selfishly innately curious
0: yeah i think you know, the, I think one of the coolest parts, and Noelle and I were talking about this, is that you are the embodiment of what you do in every aspect of life. Like, you know, let's talk about the fact that you're recognized for customer journey. So, yes, did we completely overhaul every aspect of my business and basically take what I had envisioned but had no idea of how to actually put it into context? That was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. But that's also what you're known for. What I was incredibly impressed by is that that trickles into every aspect of your life. Like when, you know, we go for, um, you know, we, we show up on the first day customer journey, and there's this beautiful, uh, package of gifts there that make us feel special, welcome. And it's all tailored towards things that we care about. Okay. That's the introduction. That's the acknowledgement phase. And then, you know, we go for dinner at a spot that, you know, you offer to take us to based on where we want it, what we were craving, and you already found a way to weasel your card into there before me, <laughs> and I'm usually the master of that. And then the next day, we go to the coffee spot to get your famous drink, and it was already on George. Yep. And it was like I was like every single thing we do is has been completely seamless, and not to mention like we talked about when we were coming here with no plan, mm-hmm. like we just showed up and it was seamless. It wasn't like you gave me a schedule ahead of time and said, here's what's going to happen. And then it actually happened. It was like seamless to the point where it was, it was just beautiful of how it was executed. And I think that is what allowed it to seem like, again, you know, I've talked about this with friends is sometimes, you know, when you're working with people and there's an investment, you almost feel like it's a transactional approach where it's like, yeah, this is really cool. But if we weren't paying like this, wouldn't like he wouldn't really, he or she wouldn't really care. They wouldn't be doing this. But it's very easy to tell that if we were in a different position than we are right now, that this would still be the experience. And I think that's been amazing. This has been far been uh, the most life-changing aspect for me because I think, again, going back to the number one reason why entrepreneurs win or fail and what you should be investing in is the mindset aspect of Mm -hmm. it and i think the fact that we talked not just about the mindset towards and its application towards business but also towards health wealth love happiness and all the different pillars of life it was a very holistic approach that will trickle into business inevitably Mm -hmm. over time so
1: yeah absolutely life-changing thanks man I was a little uncomfortable listening to that. <laughs> not because I'm insecure. I've just never asked on a recording. And I'm not the one that asks all the time. But I should ask more. That filled my bucket, man. Um, the only thing we forgot is where people can find you. And I'd say, uh, based on what we've covered, and since so this podcast won't drop for a couple of weeks, we're going to go with the website. Yeah. So fairassessmentmikesherard.com best place can you spell it for everybody definitely mike s-h-e-r-r-a-r-d.com.com and and here's my glowing recommendation for everybody listening uh and watching per se in our little background studio so i love doing this in person i'm so glad we did this i could do this for like seven hours in person it's so much easier um but like like everything in one of in my opinion like one of mike's big principles that i love so much is is he's a master at extracting the one thing He's a master of going into the room or going to this mastermind or finding this coach or picking up this book and not trying to apply it to perfection and copy the playbook but looking at it and say where are there holes in mine and what's the one thing i can pick up and and for everybody listening or watching this um i highly recommend you give yourself some time to watch some of mike's videos watch his videos on youtube but also watch how they build upon each other and watch how he speaks because he is speaking to realtors and there's plenty of realtors that listen to the show but it applies to you whether you own a physical products brand, whether you own an information marketing company, whether you're a consultant, a speaker, a marketer, or a realtor, a plumber, a general contractor. It doesn't matter. Just based on the conversation on this podcast alone, it should be able to change the lens in which you go view that content. And and I would say that Mike, in my opinion, is a glowing example of what this looks like in an embodiment level. And to know that you can go from you know two hundred thousand dollars a year to Close to eight figures in five years because of your steadfast commitment to your principles and your beliefs. I think everybody watching this would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't at least take the time to stalk him just a little bit. Like, just a little bit. Like, you have my permission to be like a stage nine clinger from uh, that wedding movie with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. What was it? Wedding Crashers? Wedding Crashers. I'll find you. <laughs> you have my permission because um, I'm a big, I'm bullish on looking at how people are operating especially the ones that are operating on a solid foundation with a solid integrity and picking up the ways that you can find that for your life and you can find that for your business so take this as my glowing recommendation go to mike check out his youtube and i'm going to open this loop officially because you should probably keep your eyes peeled because mike and i are most likely oh no guaranteed to be doing stuff together whether it's courses or videos or events and there's some magic that's going to be coming out and so get indoctrinated Get in, go pick up the nuggets and uh, let Mike know too, because I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. I, I would. And I think the the best way to pull this full circle is, again,
0: going back to the one thing is that if you're always just searching for one thing to extract from anything, regardless of the investment you made into it, mm-hmm. you will never be disappointed. Never. And you know whether you're listening to George's podcast, you download a lead magnet, you buy one of his programs. If you get one thing from that, that is a win. If you get more, like my, and we talked about this on the drive down here, you know, this is a substantial investment for most people. But if I got one thing from this, then I won. I got a hundred things from (laughs) it, but that's the cherry on top and the icing on the cake. I wasn't expecting that. And if you're not expecting that then you're always going to be surprised, impressed and excited about the experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one thing for lack of a better (laughs) term that I urge people to think about as you're listening to George's content going forward is just pick and write down one thing that you learn from each episode. Because for those that struggle with content like I did in the beginning, guess what that one thing turns into?
1: Your Instagram, reel, your TikTok and your YouTube short for that day. Yep, yep, I love it man, I love it. That's going to advocate the last question I was going to ask you because you just answered it anyways. So, dude, thank you for being here. This was an absolute honor. We have a live studio audience, which makes me happy. I feel like I'm over here on my best behavior because my wife (laughs) 2.0 is sitting in the back of the room. I didn't even swear as much as I normally do, and she doesn't even mind. And neither does my wife. And I'm like, she's watching me. Oh yeah. And I don't have the ability to turn (laughs) the cameras around on Noelle sitting in the anti-gravity chair, but it's been fun. But I, I appreciate... Uh, all the laughs, all the smiles, the beautiful meals. We're about to pack up and go to a Montana rodeo for tonight. So we're in that full customer experience in Montana, giving you the full thing. So I appreciate you being here. So for everybody listening, for everybody watching, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mind of George show. As always. Be- if this is your first episode, you know right now whether I'm your slice of crazy or not. If I am, I'd recommend diving into a couple more shows. And if I am not, I love you. I will still be here when you come back, and I will welcome you with open arms. But either way, this wraps another episode. So we will either see you in the next episode, or we will hear you in your, or you will hear me in your earballs. Remember that relationships beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. And now let's cue that sexy outro of mine. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show.